Welcome to Mission to Grow, the small business guide to cash, compliance, and the war for talent. I'm your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we'll bring you experts in accounting, finance, human resources, benefits, employment law, and more. You'll learn ways to access capital through creative financing and tax strategies, tactical information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, and people strategies you need to win the war for talent. Mission to Grow is sponsored by Assure. Assure helps more than 100,000 businesses get access to capital, stay compliant, and develop the talent they need to grow. Enjoy the show. Employee engagement. I can't think of a better topic when you're, when you're thinking, how do you grow your business uh, to have engaged, skilled employees that can, that can help you accomplish your goals? So great guest today. If you're a regular watcher of the show, you know Mary Simmons. Uh, Mary is vice president of HR compliance at Assure. Uh, she's a SHRM certified professional. Also for the last eight years, she's been an adjunct professor at the New York Institute of Technology. Prior to Assure, Mary was the director of HR consulting for a 58-year-old HR consulting firm in New York. Uh, welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks, Mike. Hey, so right off the, off the jump, we're, we're going to dive deep uh, and in, in try to unpack this topic. But if a, if, a, if a business is trying to grow, what's the one thing that they really need to understand most about employee engagement? So I think a lot of business owners might, this is a fluffy subject, right? Employee engagement, what is that? Simply stated, employee engagement means that your employees are engaged in what they're doing. So that means they're going to do a better job because they're paying attention. They're not looking at their cell phone. They're not looking at the clock and saying, when am I getting out of here? And they're more productive. So a more productive work uh, staff uh, makes for a better growing business. So this one is a layup. This is pretty easy to make the connection between how that employee engagement ties to that business growing. Yeah. Not yeah. a fluffy subject. I think this is one of those things that maybe businesses haven't developed as a strength. It, it, I'd, I'd say especially businesses that were around maybe for at least five years, right? Established businesses, pre-pandemic businesses that haven't had to deal with the labor shortage for an extended period of time. Because historically, there have been more jobs than there were job seekers. And right. I'd say employers kind of sort of had the upper hand that if you didn't have an engaged employee, and I don't, I don't think most entrepreneurs do this, but you, you could let that person go and you, there'd be somebody else waiting, to, uh, thankful to, to, to take the job. But the, the tables have turned. The, the labor shortage is a permanent thing based on, you know, as you and I have talked many times, birth rates 50 years ago, 30 right. years ago. So the, the, the labor shortage is here to stay. It's not just a pandemic thing. It's not just an inflation thing. And so now it's not enough to just, hey, bring in bodies in, you, know, you have to have them engaged in your work because they have choices, right? right. And so, so what are the big things uh, that you think really drive employing? You know, I, I would also say, and I'm going to give you an example to highlight my, um, my thought process here. I think a lot of times the employer might say, Okay, you're not manufacturing that widget. My team isn't manufacturing the widget fast enough. And yeah. so they look at the end result and try to fix that end result instead of going back to the employees and saying, Mike, what, what's going on with your manufacturing that widget? So I had an organization that was a manufacturer, work with them for years, right? And, you know, a manager came to me and said, Mary, I need to write up three people on my staff of six. I was like, what? What is going on? Like, let's talk this through, right? And as we talked, he was concerned about the productivity at, or lack thereof of these individuals. And I said, did you ask them why their productivity is low? He said, no. I told them they need to create, and I'm just going to make up numbers, you know, yeah. five widgets an hour and they're yeah. only doing two an hour. And I told them they have to go faster. Let's go talk to the employees. And Mike, do you know how simple this was? When I walked over to the line that these individuals were on creating this widget, they were actually packaging goods. Um, they had gloves on. And I said, 
I noticed those three have gloves on and the other three don't. Can you talk to me about why do you have gloves on? They're like, it's freezing in here. My hands are really cold. And in addition, and they had like fluffy outdoor gloves, Mike. In addition, sometimes my fingers get cut on the packaging. I turned to the manager and I said, I think we have a solution here. We got, if they wanted, first of all, we turned, we got them little space heaters actually, because they weren't going to turn up the heat in the entire warehouse. It was a huge warehouse. Number two, those that wanted them, we gave them nice rubber gloves that were well fitted. And it actually made the productivity go a little faster because they were tentatively putting things together. That's employee engagement. It's listening to your employees. It's asking them questions, right? Let's fix the problems instead of trying to fix the poor outcome, right? You got to start from the beginning. And that's usually our employees, Mike. You know, I'm thinking that's like a double whammy in my brain because it's like, okay, there's an obvious win of productivity improvement if you're you're the business owner. But who... Who wants to be, and I'm going to age myself, who wants to be part of Cogswell's Cogs or Spacely Sprockets where you're just a, a cog in the machine, right? People want to be part of something. They want to be part of the solution. And I'm guessing it wasn't just the productivity that came from a space heater in some, some appropriate gloves. It's you now have employees who feel hurt in, in part of the solution and it's not, you know, it's more than just. A, they were so happy, Mike. It was, yeah. it was, I was like, pretty easy. <laughs> it seemed like an easy fix. And listen, I also understand the manager, right? He's, his <clears throat> goals are do it, do it, do it, do it, and do it faster. Um, so I understand that, right? So what comes out of that in my nerdy HR mind is, right, we need process. We need procedures. We need manager training. And we'll talk later. Yeah. All right. So, 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 so as always, I, I give the entrepreneurs and the business owners and managers benefit of the doubt. No one, no one's sitting here thinking that no one's watching this show thinking, I already know a bunch of ways to drive better employee engagement that will get, make us more productive. Uh, but I'm choosing not to do them. Uh, right. It's, so, exactly. so, so break it down. What, what would, what do you think the big buckets uh, that I'll, I'll say maybe are controllable? by a business owner or a manager? What are the controllable buckets that can drive employee engagement? Um, so co- definitely career pathing, definitely training, definitely yeah. employee you know, wellness um, are the top of list and tying them back to the mission um, of the organization, right? It's, I, I always think of Nike, they have such great marketing, but you can't just do it. It yeah. doesn't really work. They need to know the why to be engaged, right? And, you know, my little making of a widget does tie into the success of the organization, but did we tell everybody that it does? Right. So I think those are some of the big buckets that I'd love to discuss and unpack today. That last one is probably my passion project, but uh, but uh, you're the expert here. So you you lead us where you want to want to take us here. But what would you think says the, the first bucket here? So I, I always like to start with training, right? So, um, and that's what you should start with when you bring on a new employee. So even if you bring on a new employee that has years and years of experience, they don't have years and years of experience at your organization. And when I talk about training, I do include, you know, what are we doing onboarding? How are we bringing the person into the office? I kid you not. I had an employer who had somebody after a week want to quit because nobody showed her where the bathroom was. I was like, first, we did save the employee and then we did create an onboarding training procedure, right? So what are you doing day one to engage that employee? Did you, you know, give them their password to sign on to the computer? Did somebody take them to lunch? Did somebody give them some on-the-job training, right? So there's always going to be on-the-job training. But what are you doing to level set their skills, right, and raise their skills within the position they have? When an employee sees that you're investing in them, so you're investing time, energy, and money when you do training, 
And all three things make the employee feel engaged, right? Yeah. Because they feel like you really care about their success. They will not be successful without you. It's not going to happen, right? So the employer has to say, you know, what does Mike need, right? And you need to have a plan, but everybody might need something a little bit different when it comes to training. Big yeah. proponent. And I love that you went to the engagement side of it. Uh, maybe not even the engagement side, the, the, the how the employee perceives the fact that they're doing training, right? Um, it, you know, you, we, we've had several episodes where we talk about the 2023 uh, benchmark, sur uh, HR benchmark survey, where we evaluate all of the HR best practices pre-hire to post-employment. And then correlate that to revenue growth. We're, we're in the process of, of preparing the 2024 benchmark report right now. Um, but the correlation is clear. Yeah. The fast growth companies do employee training in a much more uh, meaningful way than uh, flat or shrinking companies do. So the, so the correlation is clear. And I think one of the things that you, know, you and I talk about is you don't even have to be good at training. That might sound weird. So like maybe you're, maybe you're performing skills training. Maybe you're performing uh, 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 relationship training. Uh, get to know your coworkers. Whatever the training topic is, obviously the better the, better the training itself, the curriculum, what you're, the, the, you know, the, the higher quality of the training, the better because they're, hopefully they pick up skills in the process. But the unsaid thing here is you're just signaling to your employees that you care about them and that you're going to invest in them and you're going to fumble your way through this and just do your best. But help me out, guys, here. I think we should just I, I want us to be more productive. And I think part of that is relationships. So I'm going to do this relationship training. I might suck at relationship training, but you're sending a really strong signal to your employees that, oh, maybe I'm picking up some skills, but more importantly, they care about me here. And they, and they yeah. want us to work together. What, what do you think? I, I don't usually disagree with you, but I might disagree with you here because you know I'm an HR nerd and training's my specialty. I would say that the training has should be good quality. And where I see organizations have a really big miss is when they don't train their trainer. Um, so yes, any training is better than zero training. So I think that's the point you were trying to make. It, it is, it is. Yeah. yeah. But I also want to make sure that organizations don't miss the mark and train the trainer. And, you know, I, because I do so much training, can tell you that we'll give a summary um, or, a, you know, a, a follow up afterwards and say, what did you think of the training so that I can make it better. Right. And 99% of the people, A, when they walk out of the room, go, thank you so much for the training. And if, if the HR person or owner of the organization is in the room, they thank them personally. And in that feedback survey, they always say, I want to thank my organization for doing this. And I love that you say, we don't just have to do skills training. So we do extensive uh, personality training. We use DISC. Nope. And that training, you, I've been sent flowers, candy, balloons, like, it's so appreciated. Um, so it can be soft skills or hard skills. And I think so every organization can do some type of training. So if anybody's sitting there going, well, I don't know what training to do. Um, everybody can do it, right? So because it can be soft skills, uh, like better communication, uh, team building, and it can be hard skills like Excel, Word, et cetera. hundred percent, hundred percent. And Clearly, better quality training curriculum in teachers and trainers has has ob hopefully obvious impact. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to make is, do, I don't I don't want employers to think that you know perfection is, is, is the enemy here because oh I'm not a good trainer I'm not I'm not good in front of crowds right I'm not exactly yeah. sure what to say. There's value in the effort, right? Obviously, make it as good as you can. And, and, right. and there should, there's probably is a minimum threshold of good enough. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. But, but you're, you know, I, not to beat a dead horse, but you're right because that attention from the owner of the organization to 
everybody in the organization is so important, right? And that's, you know, goes back to, oh, he knows who I am. He knows my name. My young working children who are 25 will come home and say, mom, the CEO said hi to me today. And she's on cloud nine. So that's the impact that, you know, somebody of that level, the owner talking to individuals and training them, that's the impact it has. She's so engaged when that happens. One hello. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. All right, what else? Uh, Anything else you want to say in training or should we move on to your other topics? Just, you know, I could go on and on about training, but I'm going to, let's move on to another topic that sort of blends into that and that's career pathing. So, um, you know, we talk about the different generations within the workforce and I will tell you that the generations, the millennials, which is the biggest generation and Gen Z that are in the workforce right now, they want training, they demand training, good for them. And they also want career pathing. So what do I mean by career path? They want to know where they can go, Mike. So a lot of organizations may be listening to us and say, well, I'm relatively flat. And that's okay, right? So that career pathing doesn't have to be, you know, Mike is going to go from VP of marketing to CMO. It doesn't have to be that way if your organization is not big enough and doesn't have the levels to support that type of career pathing. It could be as simple as showing Mike the training that we're going to send him to, the conferences, the trade shows, giving extra projects. That's part of career pathing, right? So, right. So I I have a nonprofit. They're very, very, very small. They said, I have no money the other day. I have no money. I can't. I couldn't even get a little bonus through for my staff. Mary, what do I do to engage them and to thank them? So one of the simple things that we thought of is these are really hardworking people, really tied to the mission of the organization. Um, and, And they enjoy doing special projects because it gives them this ability with the board that they normally wouldn't get. So we created a way for them to have uh, a time uh, where they can report, not monthly like the um, executive director does, but quarterly, each of them got to are going to start reporting to the board on a special project they created. Yeah, that's brilliant. They are so excited, right? And so engaged. And that just makes the organization better. I, I think... I think commonly people underthink career pathing, right? It's like they were really small or maybe it's a family business and whether my son's any good at it or not, my son's getting the business. And so everybody knows that. So maybe they feel like there's this glass ceiling or something, right? Um, but it's not, it can, of course, be a, a successional thing in climbing ladders and titles and roles and all that. It, it, it can be that. But, you know, I, I think Gallup does their survey every year. Uh, uh, acquiring skills is one of, and experiences is one of the top requirements for new entrants into the workforce, right? Yeah. Um, you got to pay them enough, right? They're, everybody's going to have their, their, their minimum dollar amount that they require to take a job. Beyond yeah. that, a lot of it is just, are they acquiring the skills yes. and the experiences that will take take them maybe outside your building. It's the old saying, what is it? Uh, uh, train your people well enough. And I'm going back to your favorite that what we started with is training. Train your yeah. people well enough uh, that they can leave. Treat them well enough that they'll never want to, right? Right. So maybe if you don't have this climb the ladder thing that you can put in front of them saying, hey, what are your goals? What do you want to be to your Well, I think other- you're making a really, really solid point there. I started doing my one-on-ones with my team just to ask them where they want to go. And sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes you have a very high performer and you're like, okay, they're, they're my next person that I'm going to promote. And they go, I love my job. I want to stay right where I am. And yeah. you're like, great. That's awesome. But that is the second part of it is, you know, I always recommend stay interviews to also engage your staff. What yeah. do you like about here? 
what would what are your ideas, even if they sound crazy to change, and how can I help you be more successful? And those answers will always help an organization and a department be stronger, but it also engages your staff because they're like, you care what I think? You care about my opinion? Yeah. Um, and, you know, really good ideas come out of really right. good ideas. Right, right. And, and, and part of it, maybe, it, maybe it's, you know, we, we talk a lot about smaller businesses. You're the owner or the senior manager, maybe in a mid-sized company or large company, yet you, you, you might not control that person's career path, right? But yeah. you, can, you can advise them and help them to be desirable by yeah. other managers to get promoted that's outside of your 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 realm, right? So if you're still you trying to get that employee engaged and part of your team, man, one of the best legacies you can ever have as a leader is the people that rise to the top that used to work for you, right? Yeah, that, that's yeah. a hell of a legacy, right? Is like, yeah, that person used to work for me. I rocked them, <laughs> so and they aspired to here, and this person aspired to there. Um, so this isn't just a small company thing. And you don't have to control the promotions in the, in the, in the, in the, the corporate ladder, so to speak, to still drive engagement by talking about career paths, putting people on projects where they develop skills intentionally. Maybe it's, maybe it's after hours assignments, whatever it is to develop the skills, competencies, relationships that then foster new opportunities for them. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree. Anything else on career pathing? Again, we could go on and on and on, but um, I think we can move to the next bucket, which I would say is employee wellness. And employee wellness can, can mean a lot of things to a lot of organizations. Um, but I think, let's just say on the outset, just saying that we're you know engaged and thinking about employee wellness right there will engage the staff again. We're investing time and we're investing money in the wellness of our staff. So, and that wellness can go anywhere from, you know, mental well-being, physical well-being, financial well-being. So wow. I think what organizations, small and large, struggle with all the time is the cost of employee benefits. And I just want to open the minds to everybody that, you do have to look at your population and meet the basic needs of your population besides being compliant with ACA when it comes to medical benefits, right? Um, but there are so many creative ways, Mike, that you can support your employees on a wellness side um, to help them. And let's also just real quick talk about the, a good way to recruit people is to have a really good wellness. So when you look at your benefits, are you providing, you know, something for their financial well-being, right? We know there's a large push for 401k and savings plans throughout the country. Um, wink, wink, it might come to a national thing at some point. But even if you're not in a mandated state, what are you doing for your employees to help support um, yeah. their savings plans later on. And that's a really sticky way to keep them at your organization. Yeah. Medical, right? Are you doing medical? Are you doing, you know, dental, vision, pet insurance now is, is a really big thing. Right. And right. we know medical costs a lot of money. Pet insurance doesn't. And you can even pass on that cost to the employees. Same with life insurance. So wellness to me is, is a, huge bucket. Um, you know, one thing that I also did for this nonprofit that I was mentioning is we started to set up lunch and learns. So you can easily have speakers come like a yoga instructor come and they'll, you know, can be very inexpensive or they will do a half hour session for free. Um, you know, hoping that they get more clients. You can sure. have a financial advisor come and speak a for free, a bank come and talk about it. So there's a million lunch and learns that you could set up for free that shows your employees you are really concerned about their wellness. And look, Mike, selfishly speaking, you know, just so the business owners can see that I am tying this to growth. If their 
if your employees' personal lives are stable, they yep. will be more engaged, right? I just went, you know, we have a lot of employees of our clients that are taking care of their parents. What are you doing as an organization to support them? Are you explaining FMLA to them? Look, you have to give it. So in yeah. my mind, you should be explaining what FMLA is. If you know an employee is out a lot for, you know, caring for a parent, right? right. Um, but there's, there's lunch and learns you can have with somebody that comes and talks about, you know, retirement, Medicare, all of those topics that could help your employees just go um, and focus on work instead of trying to do that while they're working, do do that research while they're working. Yeah. I mean, but I have my, my, one of my sisters has her master's in counseling. She works at middle schools. Uh, she's pretty, pretty phenomenal person. And she's like these kids who come in, they, they can't study and focus when they got crazy trauma going on at home or they, they are literally starving and, and all they right. can hear is their rumbling belly and not the teacher. I mean, what happens outside of school impacts what happens inside school. Same thing at work. What happens outside the office impacts what happens inside the office. And it's maybe none of your damn business that the, your employee's spouse just left them high and dry. They can't, they're wondering how they're going to get groceries or maybe how they're getting to work today because they've got a flat tire and they can't afford an Uber. There, there's a million things. Yeah. And some of the solutions don't have to cost you money. And it, and we're not advocating just for a bunch of greedy corporate bastards here that that have the money and they're not, they're not treating their employees well. A business has to has to run and there has to be profit. Otherwise, you you you, you cease to exist, right? Right, right. Just but, just making yeah the phone numbers and the resources available. Yeah. So there's so many things that I think that you can offer benefits that Im improve employee wellness that don't have to cost anything. Some of them are like pretty sophisticated uh, tax strategies. So, you know, we, we help clients and I'm not trying to pitch a shore here, but, you know, we help clients, whether it's on the 401k side, where there's all kinds of tax strategies, employers can really offer this stuff for free. There's health benefits, uh, that there's uh, FICA offsets because it's pre-tax kind of stuff that, that there's a lot of ways that you can offer probably benefits that you don't even realize for net free, not gross, but net free through tax credits. But then I love your ideas about, you know, if, if you've got a financial wellness issue in your population, have a financial planner come in and just talk to everybody once a month, once a quarter, once a year. They're going to just try to drum up business and hopefully they get some clients out of it. But yeah. you, you've a signal to your employees that you care about them in this topic and you're trying to help. They're, they're not going to penalize you as thinking, oh, well, Mary just did that for free. That didn't cost her anything. We'll appreciate you for just trying, right? Right, right. right? It, 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 bring in a dietitian. bring in uh, an, an, uh, 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 an exercise person, bring in financial stewards, bring in whatever Right. right, they, right. They don't have to cost you money. And it's not because you're a greedy capitalist pig. It's because you're just trying to find ways that you can afford to help your employees. Agreed. Agreed. Well, anything else on th this? This is a topic we should probably have a whole show or 10 whole shows on uh, around wellness. Um, anything else around productivity or engagement? Or, and it's maybe the lack thereof where for employees that that aren't well, so to speak, that, that we need to unpack here. I'll just end with one quick story. So um, I had an employer that had a lot of lower income individuals working for them. Um, <laughs> and he noticed that a lot of them were sitting in their car at lunch, not eating, sitting in their car. At lunch and and you know this was a new york employer so they have to give a half hour lunch period right so they were sitting in their car um some of them would try to get home for lunch and then they'd be late coming back so he started um serving pizza on wednesdays for lunch his productivity on wednesdays was through the roof so 
that correlation can tell you a couple of things. Number one, nobody was late coming back for lunch because nobody was missing the free lunch. So that's yeah. number one. Um, number two, they were engaged. And I can tell you this, they were talking to each other. So it's just like any team, right? You and I are big sports analogy people, right? So just like any team, when your players or your staff in this instance are better connected, they work better together and productivity goes up, right? Yeah. They, you want them to want to come to work. And a lot of that is the personal relationship that they have with others. So now they're all in the cafeteria. They're all eating the pizza. And I don't care if it's pizza or tacos or hoagies, um, whatever it is, um, like Philadelphia roots. Um, so whatever that food is, um, and he actually did switch it up a little bit. Um, they appreciated it. They engaged with each other and then they engaged with work. It was a home run because he was fighting me. I will admit, and it was really good to say, I told you so. Something so I'm going to go down a rabbit hole on this one. We, uh, so, so we take the, the, the podcast and you know, we put it on our website, we put it on YouTube, we cut it up into a bunch of short clips and put it all over social media. And I had somebody at TikTok respond to, it was, it was a clip, I think you and I talking similar topic, uh, pizza at work. And this kind of guy kind of blew us up. Um, you know, they don't want pizza, they want money, just pay them fairly. I'm at a message from my heart here to employees and employers. If businesses don't have profit or at least break even, they can't, they don't exist and they don't, and there aren't jobs in some businesses. The margins are simply so thin, you know, the, the, the survival rate of businesses is, is what it's low. Most businesses fail, right? And the margins of so many businesses, even successful ones, like say a grocery store, they operate on like one and a half, two, two and a half percent gross margins. There isn't money left to give everybody, say, a 10 cent raise, a 50 cent an hour raise, a dollar raise. And literally, maybe the only thing you can afford is a pizza. But the employees appreciate it. That pizza might cost you a fraction of what giving everybody a raise was, but you can't afford to give everybody the raise. Maybe you could and you should. A lot of people, they just can't. And so if, if nothing else, it's a gesture. At best case, it's actually food in the belly that people aren't hungry and their productivity increases. I, I just want to be really clear. This isn't, this isn't figuring out uh, growth hacker methods to trick and manipulate employees. This is, these are strategies for employers to do the best they can with the resources they can to get the most productive, engaged workforce. All right, off, off my soapbox. Well, and I think that that ties uh, relatively well to, you know, tying back to the mission. So I always think, um, and I'm going to take that in two pieces. So the first piece is I do think that it is really important that organizations even if they're not publicly traded and have to be transparent are as transparent as they can be uh, with their staff on the success of the organization, yeah. right? So, hey, we're having a down month um, this month, you know, would appreciate, you know, and, and again, you're engaging your staff because you're listening to them, right? Would appreciate any ideas about how we can increase sales this month because they're down, right? Um Town hall meetings. I'm a big proponent of town hall meetings because that way the organization um, is talking to their employees about here's our growth goal and this is how you can help us get there. Again, creating that team environment. We're in this together. Yeah. That engages staff, right? It's not just, you know, proper management or the salespeople that are responsible for the success of an, of an organization, every single individual. So when you tie them to the mission, you let them in on what your mission is. And then you say to them, hey, let's check in. How are we doing on our mission? How are you in particular, Mike, tying to our mission, our vision and our goals that engages they want to be part of the team. 
right? right. They don't just want to come and create that widget and leave. And I know I'm giving examples that are manufacturing, but I will tell you that I supported a law firm with, with similar disengagement, lack of communication, and they started doing lunches at work and their productivity went up because I can guarantee you they were talking about work when yeah. they were sitting at those lunches. And, right. it, you know, um, you know, one of the owners said, I started going into lunch with a, with a pad and a, and a pen because people were like, oh, and can we do, did you do, can we go to this trade show? Yeah. Right. So I, I, listen, I'm a foodie that you could flip that out for something else, right? You know, maybe once a week you, um, you know, do something else that engages the staff, like, you know, ask everybody's, you know, favorite color or, or, you know, do some kind of game or something like that. So it doesn't have to just be food. I mean, that's, that's just where I go. But, you know, anything that engages the staff and makes them feel a part of the team and the organization and the mission is yeah. very important. You know, and I kind of think of this as a continuum, uh, a, a, a the best example is, and this may be a bit of a tired metaphor, but yeah, ask, ask the bricklayer, what, what are you doing? Are you a bricklayer? Is it, oh, I'm, I'm building a, a, a temple to worship my God and, and they're building the Sistine Chapel, right? So, so are, are you part of something in that aligned to that mission, right? So uh, there are some companies that really have that brand cachet. They can pull it off. There are people that will just work insane hours, dry, uh, have an insane commute because they want to be part of putting man on Mars. And so they'll go work for Elon Musk right, at, at SpaceX, right? There are people that uh, worship the towers of Google and they will commute two and a half hours each way uh, to be just part of Google, right? It's probably unrealistic that all of us will be able to pull off a mission that is so aspirational. So when I think of a continuum coming farther down down the way, maybe it's maybe it's something not quite as sexy, but it is being part of something, right? Maybe it's Great. just serving my local community and giving them the best food at an affordable price. That might sound not terribly sexy, but if everybody is doing it together and it's clear that this is what we're all about and I'm part of that. Maybe it's a completely unsexy business that, you know, hey, we're creating a company from scratch here. And, and sometimes it's hard because we don't have the resources we need uh, to, and don't have the process to figure out. We don't have all the people, but, but I'm part of building a company from scratch. I, I think these are the kind of the, the lower hanging fruit that people don't see. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, so when I work with an organization on a recruitment strategy, you know, I, I start from the mission and the vision. I say, why should they work here? And I can't tell you how many employees that I talk to, because I've done a lot of recruiting in my career. And I'd say, what does that organization do? And they go, um, um, and they sort of know if your employees don't know what you do, and can give a really nice elevator speech about your organization, you're, you're so sorely missing the mark because yeah. they don't feel part of something. And I would, and would also say that your employees are your best ambassadors of your organization. So that's the selfish piece. But the other piece is if they're engaged, if they're happy, they're going to ask their friends to come work for the organization, right? And they're going to just be more productive. So even though my HR heart says enga employee engagement just makes your employees, you know, happy, healthy, and, and, and want to come to work, my, you know, help business grow, uh, you know, hard, which is also, you know, very important to me. That piece of me says they're tied together. This is not, you know, a fluffy subject. This is how you make your organization grow. I guarantee you, if your employees are not engaged, your business will not grow. They won't be productive. Yeah. Mary, but put you in the spot. Any, any practical, pragmatic advice you can give folks for, for mission alignment? It, 
I'm almost thinking perhaps it starts with you as the owner or the senior business leader. Do you know what your purpose is and can you declare it? But what, 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 what practical advice can you give folks watching today? So I, I think some, some of the misses is not also, if you're start, if you don't have a mission, so I've done this with plenty of organization and I can think of a, a freight forwarder, family run company, boy, did they have a nice culture The the mother was Italian. She was cooking full course meal for lunch for everybody every day, but they didn't have a mission, a clear mission and a clear vision. Um, and they were kind of blurting it out at me. And I said, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Where are you coming from? Right. So how did you come up with the, that, those comments? And you've been in business for 10 years. So the new business could do it. The business owner could do it. But somebody who's been in business for years, you better ask your employees, what do you think our mission and vision is? Yes. Right. And then you tie it back in to where you want the business to go. Um, and the new owner should also, in my mind, you know, think about exactly what you said. Where do we want to go? But why do we do what we do? What's our niche in this business? Um, so hopefully they, they know, you know, where's my niche? Am I, do I have a better product? Do I have a better service? Do I have a better price? Am I in a market where nobody's been, right? So, so that needs to be tied into your mission as well. So it's business, but it does involve the people when you talk about your mission. You know, where I think sometimes, especially perhaps traditional Main Street small businesses, they think mission, vision, values is this big corporate kind of thing, a little fancy schmancy, little, little nonsense. Uh, you know, it says Joe's pizza right up top. Just look at the sign. We're a pizza place and we're on main street of, of, you know, this town. So that, that's what our mission is. I, I think where you and I are trying to take that conversation is you don't perhaps need the mission vision values from a marketing perspective for your customers, though, though they can certainly be aligned and that's a whole different topic. You know, as a marketer, yeah. passionate about that topic, but to build an employment brand. You're damn right you need it, right? Yeah. Why are the employees going to choose to work at, at, at Mike's Pizza Parlor on this side of Main Street versus Mary's Pizza Parlor on the other side of the street? If you pay the same, you're both producing pizzas, why would you choose Mike over Mary? And, and, and maybe it's, good. well, Mary's nicer than Mike. Well, how, how, is, how is being nice part of the culture, part of the mission, the vision, the values? It, it does become your employment brand. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And I think it's for everybody. This was a small company. They had 20 employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, anything else on mission alignment? I, 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 I think where I would encourage folks is don't think you have to be like SpaceX and your mission is to put people on Mars. And since you're not, you're not doing anything that sexy, you're a main street business. This doesn't apply to you. It absolutely does apply because you're building your employment brand where people are going to collate around. Anything you'd say to recap that? Um, if you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. Right. So that's, that's Yogi Berra. I'm sure I, I butchered that quote, but I, I'm a big fan. Um, and so that's why every business needs a mission, vision, for sure. Yeah. Hey, last topic I want to maybe talk about here. Uh, and, and I, I mean, I think, I think you nailed it. Uh, training, career pathing, employee wellness, mission alignment. I mean, those are, those are the big ones. Um, remote work. This is not a new thing. Some businesses doesn't apply for. If you're a restaurant, there's right. no such thing as virtual work. Um, at least for most people, maybe some back office functions can, um, you know, plenty of, uh, white collar jobs, your entire company can be virtual. Um, and this is a continuum that started 25 years ago. Right. I remember, I remember, uh, you know, work from home Fridays as being an amazing thing and that people having to have special authorization and phone lines to handle their the fax machine that would be in your home office, right? I mean, right, so right. this has been going on for a while back when there was fax machines. Um, 
clearly the pandemic uh, accelerated this whole thing about virtual work. Um, there's a lot of data out here and a lot of best practices around employee engagement. And it's not even, uh, I think maybe the better term is flexible work arrangements, not quote unquote virtual. What, what say you? So I agree a hundred percent. So, so in the context of engaging your staff, um, number one, you do have to find what's the perfect scenario uh, for the organization. So if we say that three days in the office and two days home because we need to compete with other organizations that are offering some remote work, right? And uh, believe it or not, we did have uh, a client with a waitress say, I want to work from home. And we were like, we don't understand. So th that's, but, but I use that example because it's so on the minds of the workforce right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they all think they want it. And this is what I'm going to say about engagement. If you have staff that is uh, partially remote or fully remote, you have to double down your efforts to engage them. Double down. Yeah. How much are you meeting? You know, uh, you know me, I'm a big proponent of camera on. Yeah. Um, what are you doing as far as setting up meetings so that everybody is sitting in a virtual room because they're remote? Um, you still should be doing some wellness activities, right, with your staff. But you have to double down on it because they're not getting the engagement that would naturally happen by them being in the office, sitting together and having food, right, passing each other in the corridors. Right. So, you know, we're not going to spend a, t a ton of time on what's right or what's wrong, right? It should be tied to your business. And can you attract people in your business um, by having them partially or fully in the office? I, I don't know right now what organization, besides the organizations that have to, manufacturing restaurants as, as examples, hospitals, yeah. um, but what are you doing to engage that staff? You need to double down. Right, right. Gallup, I referenced earlier, they did this annual survey on employee engagement. One of the things they, they measure every year is the relationship of uh, on-premise work versus completely virtual work from home versus hybrid. Um, and, and the data has been clear for a really long time. It hasn't moved all that much. 100% uh, at work has the same level of disengagement as 100% at home. What's the most engaged workforce is some type of a hybrid where they can kind of kind of choose to come and go. To me, what, your, what that signals is really about flexibility. It's not just it's not just place of work. It's hours of work. It's it's right. the way work gets done. Um, people's lives are so integrated from personal to work. I mean, social media during right. work hours. Right. I'm making a personal call. I'm attending. Uh, a parent-teacher Zoom conference during work hours, but I'm also maybe doing some work at night. I mean, our lives, the, 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 the lines have really, 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 really blurred different 100%. between work hours and, and personal hours here. I think maybe the message that I would give folks is, is just think about flexibility. It doesn't mean you require less from your, from your team. Right. Uh, you can still hold a very high bar, but right. place and manner of work you have to be flexible if you're going to attract and retain talent uh, in a in a in a world where there's a labor shortage and it's not changing. I agree a hundred percent. And just to continue the story about the waitress, um, when we dug in a little bit and we asked the employer, you know, because we we all giggled, right? I'm going to be honest. But then we said, well, tell me about the employees. It's a good employee. Did they give you a reason why they wanted to work from home a few hours? And they said, yes, you know, they have small children at home. They really need the money, right? So they couldn't just cut back on shifts. Excellent employee, excellent worker. I said, oh, all right. Is there anything that you could take off your plate and pay this individual at home uh, to do for you? 
oh yeah, the schedules. Oh my goodness, the schedule takes me forever. I go, bingo. Here's career pathing, training, right? On the job training. Right. Right. Um, and it's engagement. So that individual is now doing the schedules three hours a week at home. The manager's happy to have that off their plate uh, for the amount of money they're paying this individual and, and you know, sort of saying, oh, no, maybe this is a, a lead or our next supervisor, right? We're doing some, right. so giving them a little piece of, of the skills that they'll need for the next position. Win-win. Ask the questions. That's what I would, that's what I would end with. Ask your employees questions. Yeah. The people who talk to your customers the most generally have a lot more wisdom than you, than, than you might give them credit for, right? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Very yeah. uh, employee wellness, training, career pathing, remote work, mission alignment, all big things in of themselves. Maybe that maybe that's a punch list for uh, uh, future shows, each of those, uh, go, going deep on uh, at each of those. Anything else you'd want to add for today's conversation? about how employers need to be thinking about employee engagement and, and how to grow their business? I would flip that and say to everybody listening, do you want to grow your business? And if you want to grow your business, listen again to what we just talked about because you're not growing without employee engagement. And we, we you know, there's a lot of different pieces to this, but it's all important and all integrated into the growth of your organization. And, and I think that every employer does want a happy uh, workforce as well, um, happy engaged workforce, so, but you got to work at that. It doesn't happen automatically. It takes a little work, a little plan. Yeah. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, bring a team. But uh, that team in 2024 has choices of which team they want to be part of. And they're only going to be part of a team that they believe in. They align to the mission. They feel part of something. They feel respected and valued. Uh, so there, there, there's the message for 2024. Mary, always love our conversations. Thanks so much. Thanks, and Thanks, Mike. everyone else, for joining us today. Until next week. That's it for this episode of Mission to Grow. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and more episodes, visit us at missiontogrow.com. If you found this content valuable, I invite you to share it with a friend and subscribe to the show. If you really want to help, I'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Mission to Grow is sponsored by Assure. Assure helps more than 100,000 businesses get access to capital, stay compliant, and develop the talent they need to grow. To learn more about how Assure can help your business grow, visit assuresoftware.com. Until next time.